CRS works with, you know, both sides of the aisle politically, like it's all bipartisan work, which is like what makes a difference, you know, and so um, like we're not going to get anywhere if we're just like, okay, like only focus on this pocket of Republicans who are very Catholic or only focus on like this pocket of Democrats who are very um, Catholic, but like trying to build bridges there and, you know, figure out how to make a difference together. Welcome to the Spirit is Lit podcast, a spirit-centered podcast. Join us each week for a conversation on faith, current events, and everything in between. Hey folks, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast, The Spirit is Lit. Emmy and I had a wonderful conversation this week with uh, an old friend of mine from grad school, Frances Casey, who is now working at Catholic Relief Services. Um, she explains all about what that does and kind of um, the work that she does, as well as um, kind of the, the experience she's had within what are called immersion programs, service trips, and things like that, um, and how that all intermingles with the work of, uh, you know, the writings of Pope Francis and the teachings of Pope Francis. So I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, Enjoy. Welcome to the Spirit is Lit podcast, Francis. It's so good to hear you. So good to see you on our uh, Zoom call. Um, how are you? I'm good, Jacob. Good to see you after over a year now. Um, yes, doing well. Just recovering from work today and uh, just had some fried oysters and it's a good night. That sounds really good. Um, I will be craving those what? for the next few hours and days. But um, so Francis, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's just like let's look at this difference of fried oysters. I'm like unwinding from a day. I'm gonna put like slippers on. Okay, sorry, Francis just got like twelve cool points in my book. Sorry. <laughs> so we know Francis is super cool, but we don't know um who Francis is. Francis, can you tell you know our listeners um a little bit about you and maybe kind of. I guess your story, how you ended up where you are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so hello everyone out there in the podcast listening world. Um, I'm Frances Casey. I am calling in tonight from Covington, Louisiana, right, right outside of New Orleans. So hence the fried oysters for dinner. Um, and if I had to sum up who I am in a sentence, I would probably say I'm a Southern Catholic girl who fell in love with um, really the, the community, the hope, and the invitation that the church brings us and have been able to experience a lot of um, incredible cultures, universities, um, experiences just in the past few years in particular that have just really allowed me to grow and um, yeah I think if that's one sentence I don't know whatever <laughs> so, um, yeah I love the outdoors love um, dogs in particular I'm allergic to cats I'm allergic to cockroaches um just some fun facts about me um yeah and Wait, so how did yeah. you find out you were allergic to cockroaches I was just gonna jump in on that one but like what 
Um, I had an allergy test done when I was in high school and found out I was allergic to cockroaches. So good stuff, right? Wow. I learned something new. Like, okay, thank you. (laughs) Speaking of some, um, you know, some new things like word on the street is, is that you, um, have done a couple of immersion programs, things like that. Um, can you talk a little bit about, first off, what is an immersion program? And second, uh, what are some of your experiences? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say that really my first exposure to an immersion experience was during my undergrad years. I went to the University of San Diego and um got the opportunity to spend some time in Tijuana, Mexico, my sophomore year of college, where really for the first time, I got this glimpse of of what an immersion experience could look like. And um, I think in in my experience, an immersion trip, an immersion experience is, is really founded in this idea of entering into a new culture, a new country, and really learning about the culture, learning about the history, learning about the people, and just meeting one another and forming relationships is is really central to this idea of, of learning from one another and taking that into, um, into your lives and into your perspectives. And it's not so much about, it's not a service trip necessarily, that might be a component of it, you know, to um, help restore parts of a school or or bring down um, items and, and support in a more charitable way. But it's really about this exchange, um, this encounter with another um you know, group of people who have likely lived incredibly different lives than than yourself and and to meet them and and grow in friendship and see that that humanity in one another um regardless. And so um yeah, my time in, in Tijuana I think specifically was my first exposure to really learning about the the stories and the humanity of a lot of wonderful friends who live on the other side of the um, U.S.-Mexico border and and grew up looking over the the border wall into my country and and have a very different view of um, the United States and and just being able to um, understand and and listen to their experiences was like, yeah, the most life-changing kind of, yeah, experience, I think, to date and really set me up in many ways to, um, yeah, go go into the field I'm in now. Um, Working with Catholic Relief Services, it really led me to... um, Ultimately, spending a year of service um, with a program called Rostro de Cristo in, in Guayaquil, Ecuador, and that's Spanish for the face of Christ. Um, and our program is was is was incredible um, about this idea of encounter, and and we, my community and I, there were six of us um, who lived in a in a, um, 
a community that was facing extreme poverty and each of us had a work site. So I was able to, to teach while I was there, but then a huge component of that was welcoming students from Catholic universities, Catholic high schools who were coming down for immersion experiences. And so um, it was simultaneously like really challenging and very exciting to be able to share these relationships with that I had with, um, you know, children that I was teaching, their families, children and families that we lived like nearby in the neighborhood and, and to invite others into those relationships that I was building over the year. Um, and it was truly a year dedicated to just building relationships with um, people who had experienced a very different um, upbringing and very different opportunities than I had um, in many ways, but forming, yeah, incredible bonds that will forever, um, yeah, forever feel like family and, um, yeah, are some of the greatest theologians I know as well. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of where I'll, I'll pause. It's a, a mouthful and immersion, but something near and dear to my heart, certainly. No, I love it. That's super cool. Um, a lot of what you're saying, and you've like mentioned the, the word, I don't know how many times you've already mentioned the word encounter, um, which I want to touch, I think we'll touch on later, but I'm wondering also too, as uh, some things that are uh, getting my gears going in terms of uh, uh, relationship and uh, in relation to the kind of the immersion experiences I've gone, what was your experience in terms of um, like before you went to this place, before you had this opportunity to encounter this culture, this, uh, this, this people, um, was there, uh, an educational element beforehand? Um, and if so, you know, what was kind of the reasoning, what was your experience with that? And maybe, um, what was the importance of that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question, Jacob. Um, so I think that, the educational component ahead of time is really what sets up that experience to be one that is both successful, respectful, and like more, just allows for more depth um, in conversations and the questions that you're able to ask in your time um, in a different culture. And so um, I think one of those like, critical components is, is really understanding the context and history of a country that the country that you're entering into and um, in many ways being able to deeply reflect on um, the influence that our own country has had on the development and culture and history of many countries and, and most of my immersion experiences were in Latin America, which um, unfortunately there's a lot of baggage that comes um, alongside the history that the U.S. has played in in many Latin American countries, and and there's a lot of unhealed wounds there, um, quite frankly, that you know our history has caused, and so being able to really unpack that before you go into a country allows you to enter with better cultural humility, better understanding, a better grasp on what is appropriate and, and how to 
um, engaging conversations. And, and I think about my time in El Salvador and, um, I was able to travel during my grad school years with a, a cohort of students down to San Salvador, El Salvador. And, um, we spent quite some time out in a, a village where many people had lived out in the mountains during the civil war and in El Salvador and, um, you know, to be able to recognize our country's role in in um, perpetuating parts of that war and to be able to, you know, have the context of what it means as a as a white female um, American walking into that culture and and to know that 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 carries baggage with it um, on its own and so um, I think that like educational piece before I went down to El Salvador with the group was was critical in understanding um you know what what my own identity brought into that space and conversations and then just like how to navigate that and um yeah and I think for many people trying to just yeah understand and unpack different um aspects of of cultural humility and entering into spaces, recognizing our own power and privilege and recognizing our, um, yeah, the own like biases and, and questions that we bring. And um, yeah, I think the educational component ahead of time is, is really critical. Um, and then it allows you to like have preparation. And then when you're in country, those conversations can be that much more rich, um, which is ideal. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know, I just have so much respect because here you go in, you know, there's there's so much studying you can do and and you see and and in like so much respect for these programs where, you know, they're preparing you for this, but the people that you're encountering, um, they, they're living it and it's different. Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, you kind of mentioned the U.S. doesn't exactly have a great history in all these places or, you know, just different influences that have negative effects um, and here you walk in as one person um, how how do you balance that how do you balance knowing the weight of the history that you carry with you while still trying to be open to these new possibilities um, and humble like how do you balance that mm -hmm. bridge yeah, absolutely. I think it, you know, I think it goes both ways also. Like I represent um, my country's history in, in many ways to someone I've, I'm meeting in a different country. Um, but at the same time, I'm an individual and I carry my own story and, and, and vice versa where I'm meeting someone who I might know so much about their um, culture and so much about their country's history, but they're, you know, a unique story, a unique person, and they do have their own story about how um, they and their family have have lived um, throughout the years. And so I think it's it's just this idea of of holding all of that intention. And I think there's a there is a piece of needing to lift that up in some type of, of prayer to, to recognize that like, 
we can't hold on to the entire weight of our own history on our own shoulders alone and and know that like yes that's a piece of our our history and our identity in many ways but we too um are really yeah invited I think by um our faith to to move beyond just just being labeled um in some ways and to you know represent how we how we best hope to so that reminds me I love that um that kind of reminds me of um I was on an immersion program in uh South Dakota and like we learned a lot about kind of like the history of you know the Catholic Church and just Christian Church in general um but they 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 mentioned like the intent of it was um maybe not so much to shame but to move forward with a sense of responsibility um Mm -hmm. so i think uh i really like that um so with that being said i want to um i love how how we've been diving deep on this immersion programs and it it seems like it's super related to what you're doing now which you know i understand um you work with uh, catholic relief services um and it uh your focus is if i'm not mistaken on creating advocates in the in the U.S. for international policy, um, and I see a lot of like implicit connections. But I'm wondering if um, if you could uh, kind of maybe elaborate on the, the connections you see between your work now and you know prior immersion experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think a huge piece of immersions, which is a privilege in and of itself, is that. Um, Walking away from an immersion experience, the the hope is that you carry that experience into your life in some deep and impactful way and can move forward and, and take action in your own sphere. You know, we need global advocates in the business world, in the ministry world, um, you name it, like just taking your authentic like sphere in life and where you thrive and, and bringing those experiences, those relationships forward and being able to really internalize and, and grow and, and work that into your perspective um, in a way that you don't forget about our sisters and brothers overseas that you've met or even domestic immersions, um, you know, people experiencing extreme poverty within our own borders and, and the ways that those encounters as well can um shift our perspectives and so yeah you're right on um with Catholic Relief Services about two years ago we underwent um a pretty big reorganization and and change in our strategy and for many years Catholic Relief Services has had advocates and donors across the U.S. doing all kinds of um wonderful stuff to support CRS's mission um which we represent in over 110 countries around the world. Um, and so about two years ago, this transition um, happened and was really looking at trying to um, leverage all of the actions and communities that were already in place and try and really streamline that and and make everyone um, put their energy and focus into very strategic areas throughout like the calendar year 
to really encourage that like this incredible network of Catholics um, and other people who are not Catholic but are really um, invested in supporting CRS's mission can join together and advocate for U.S. international policy and also donate. And that, um, I think those pieces are, are really important because what I've learned throughout my time as well, um, experiencing a lot of different immersions is like, when you come back, um, the opportunity also is to invite other people into your story, into the stories of others by sharing. And I think that um, this idea of giving and like the spirituality of of giving, um, allowing others to donate their their money in a way that really supports um, an incredible mission. And so both both advocacy and giving are are huge parts of our work. Um, and I think it's it's that that idea that is like the invitation and opportunity to bring others into um, this work that's so special. And then as well, I think like, yeah, I, I don't even know how to like put it into words, but I think, uh, you know, the compounding of like various immersion experiences throughout my life has like, without a doubt, um, revealed like in my mind and in my heart, like this need for U.S leadership to have a role in um yeah in being a leader around the world and and one way that we do that is through our international policies and so there are certainly a lot of opportunities um opportunities and connections i think between between both of them yeah yeah i i mean i love how you're you're talking about how it's really about you know bringing people together in different ways and like it's like that that ripple effect if you will of like yes you go in this on, a, on an immersion um, you're able to go and have that then affect more people and having um, international policy eventually really start to take hold of that however I can only imagine, you know, here you are talking about like bringing people into the fold and it's like, yes, more people. And then it's just like COVID hits. And now we're like six feet apart, no people. Like how, how has COVID impacted the need for international policy? Yeah, um, I think that the need has been there. Um, I think COVID has certainly exacerbated the need, but I think in many ways it has just become that much more prevalent um, as communities are being impacted around the world. And, and without a doubt, the, the needs in the United States are immense and, and like we have to take care of those in our own country without doing away with this idea that we also are called both in faith and I think in, in moral to um, supporting those overseas who um, don't have, you know, the infrastructures and, and governments that would be able to always support um, their needs. And so, yeah, I'm definitely a huge um, 
advocate during this time that we would need better international policy. Um, yeah, it's been um, heartbreaking to one of my roles with CRS is really to be preparing some of like our briefing documents on the different pieces of legislation that we're doing. And so sadly on some days I look at this, these statistics like over and over and over and over again. Um, like the fact that COVID is um, probably causing extreme poverty to rise globally for the first time in 20 years with like up to 150 million people um, additionally falling into extreme poverty and in this year alone is like, you know, just sickening. And um, yeah, I think at the same time, like getting lost in that idea of like somewhere between like 110 and 150 million people, but like each of those people have their own stories and like many close friends around the world who are living in extreme poverty are you know people's stories that I carry with me people's faces that I see when I when I hear this statistic um and so it's yeah um there's certainly a need um yeah, immense needs in the U.S. without a doubt. Um, but at the same time, like we can't, we can't just be blind to what is going on around the world at the same time. Um, and I and I think it's, yeah, just incredibly compelling because, like, while the needs here continue to to really. Um, increase but overseas the the impacts are are catastrophic you know it's not um there's not necessarily food banks to um go to people are gonna start experiencing famines if there's you know not changes in in some countries and and just the yeah the devastating effects i think are can be um so much more drastic than here in the states given the infrastructure and and resources that we have access to. So, um, yes, so there are many opportunities for, yeah, advocating on, on international policies and hoping that this will, yeah, provide a bit of, of support overseas. So what, um, I just kind of want to recap and like, I think about the, this, this next question I want to ask, but like, um, a lot of what you're mentioning to me, um, if I can like, uh, let me know if I'm recapping this wrong, but like, um, essentially, uh, uh, from my experience, like I grew up with a lot of resources, the United States is known to have a lot more resources than a lot of other countries. Um, but in these immersion experiences that, that I've gone on, that I've experienced, I've experienced people with uh, a large difference in uh, amount of resources. Um, and mm -hmm. to me, that sounds like uh, encounter, um, which I think um, what Pope Francis is talking about in this, um, he's always talking about it, which like you've mentioned a lot, just encounter, 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 um, this, this culture of encounter. So um, how could you explain, maybe even just explain like what this culture of encounter means and um, 
how it's applicable to um, as I pro maybe processed a little bit, but I don't know if um, if you could explain a little bit more how it's applicable to, to the work that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say that my understanding of, of Pope Francis's culture of encounter is really getting at the heart of, of seeing our neighbors um, as someone that we know and love and in many ways can see ourselves in them and trying to meet that person where they are at um, and recognizing that that's exactly what Jesus did during his time on earth. Um, and if you look into the Bible, like look at the stories, I am no biblical <laughs> um, expert by any means, but you know, the power of, of Jesus um, encountering many people very, very um, intentionally and um, in particular his encounter with the poor and vulnerable, I think enlightening um, much of the way that he moved in the world. And um, I think that's, that's really at the, the heart of this culture of encounter from, from my perspective. Um, yeah. So then did I answer your question. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. Um, <laughs> but um, so how, like, oh, I love this. Like, sorry, we, we did like a little mini um, a session or a couple mini sessions when we talked about Francis and um, encyclical, the, I'm going to say it wrong. Cause I want to say like Ratatouille and I know that's not <laughs> what it is. It's um, Fratelli Tutti. Um, mm -hmm. But um, that being said, how, how do you see that encyclical um, playing into the work that you do? Like how, yeah. like, is that like an everyday thing or is that just like an overarching? Like, what do you see specifically with what you do? That's a great question. And I, I think that there are so many parallels between, um, you know, this idea of a culture of encounter and then um, Fratelli Tutti or Ratatouille, however it's <laughs> officially said. Um, yeah, I think that it goes back to this human human connection and, and social friendship um, as being like the root of, of change and, and those um, opportunities to really encounter one another, to build a friendship, build a relationship, be in relationship, be in consistent and constant relationship, um, allowing for just a more just world um, and, and with that, I think this idea that we talk a lot about at work, um, in, in the various areas of work that we're doing is that like this Pope Francis is, is calling us as a leader of the church to, um, yeah, to not be indifferent by any means to the suffering that is going on all around the world, um, and it, and that's not to say that there's not space and time for for the suffering within our own lives within our local communities but at the same time like we can't ignore what is going on around the world and so um it really has become a, a cornerstone i'd say of of the ways in which we're trying to 
infuse that message and connect with what Pope Francis has been really promoting um, in many ways throughout his papacy, right? Like this isn't new necessarily. This is like at the heart of what Pope Francis really has stood for um, since he became Pope. And so um, I think it's just been really, really neat to see like the different encyclicals and pieces come out where he is promoting like this this heart of interaction and encounter at like the root of everything to to build a a better world so um yeah it's very much um alive and well in our work and yeah we quote it very frequently um and are trying to um yeah just infuse that into the ways that we are speaking now knowing it's a really um yeah, it's really, I think, just hit home for a lot of Catholics, um, at least many of the people that I've, I meet and have been chatting with along the past few years. So. so what I'm hearing is that, like, Fratelli Tutti is, like, becoming, like, the new Star Wars in your line of work, and, like, everyone's just quoting, like, forget, like, I am your father, like, like, no, 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 now it's, like, hey, you encounter like sorry this is my imagination of <laughs> of what catholic relief services looks like <laughs> i love it yes i would agree it has become one of our yeah one of our north stars in many ways so francis um what can churches and just lay people in general uh, do to help further the mission of uh catholic relief services there are many, many things and many opportunities for anyone listening. Um, I would say if you are looking for opportunities to engage, um, the best first step is to go on crs.org and, and understand um, what the agency is up to. We have campaign-based work now, so um, we've got a lead the way on hunger campaign and a lead the way on migration campaign, which are both also have their own websites if you're interested in learning more. Um, and I would say that within our campaign work, um, we're really focused right now on CRS Rice Bowl, which hopefully some of you have heard of those little cardboard boxes that come in the mail. And when you were a kid, you stored your pennies in there and, um, our agency receives millions of dollars each year from those pennies and, and that goes into life-saving work overseas. And so, you know, we're approaching Lent real soon here. Um, down in Louisiana, we are looking forward to Mardi Gras first, but um, once we, you know, wrap up our king cake eating for the year, then we'll enter into Lent and start saving our pennies. Um, but CRS Rice Pool is really it's about giving, but it's a, it's also about like entering into the stories and programming that CRS has. And there's a, a ton of resources available just to pray with and, and learn about programming and, and different cultures um, through stories and videos and, and different prayer services that are available as well. Um, so that is a big opportunity. You can just sign up for emails that give you opportunities to learn more, pray more, give, advocate. And then, you know, 
my work is really supporting our chapter members, which are our volunteers who, volunteers, advocates, um, officially named chapter members who are really the most engaged of our supporters across the country. And there's chapters throughout dioceses, throughout archdioceses, at universities, at Catholic high schools, um, which are groups of folks who are just really, really engaged with our mission and take monthly actions, which include advocating and giving. Um, they gather together and pray together in community monthly. And we have um, once a month, there's a national call where the whole community comes together and we have really great guest speakers come on and it's just an incredible community. Um, so there are certainly ways to get involved at, at that most, um, you know, taking like really a lot of frequent actions with um, CRS and in supporting our mission and, and just in, um, sorry, January 1st, we actually got a bill passed after, gosh, not like just over a year of seeing our, our advocates across the country really lift up um, this bill called the Global Child Thrive Act, which has now become the Global Child Thrive Law. Um, so yes, super exciting. Totally, totally, totally um, the, the work of our chapter members and campaign, campaign supporters across the country and this bill is going to ensure that millions of vulnerable kids and families around the world now can really have a greater opportunity, um, which it will actually implement that um, U.S. programming overseas will have to include early childhood development activities so that you know, every dollar that the U.S. is spending overseas on humanitarian development programming is going to be that much more effective. And so it's been, yeah, absolutely incredible. A wild ride since I joined like eight months ago now. Um, but it has been really inspiring during the, during the pandemic to see the yeah commitment and mission that people have been so devoted to during these incredibly challenging times and to see this bill pass um it was just phenomenal and so it's been anyways very exciting and yeah no just congratulations <laughs> like i feel like i need a blow horn or something like fantastic congrats Boozella, the one yeah. of so uh <laughs> Francis, I have some uh, bad news and some good news for you. So the bad news is that we're unfortunately coming closer to the end of our time. But the good news is we have some fire round questions for you. Are you ready? I hope so. Scary. <laughs> okay. okay, here we go. First one, uh, just as quick as you can. Um, first question, what person do you think lift out the values of Jesus best, dead or alive? Jesus, duh. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> okay, um, what is your favorite method of prayer right now? I have really been into meditation lately. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. Nice. 
All right, now, if you were Pope for a day, what would you do? If I was Pope for the day, I would make sure that women had equal leadership opportunities in the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. And last but certainly not least, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Careful, this is a controversial question. 149. That's the, literally, that's the correct answer. No, just kidding. Um, it, it is. Jacob, you had me going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Francis, for um, sharing with us your experience, your knowledge, your wisdom, your work. Um, yeah, thanks for taking the time. It was really good talking with you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, great to be with you. And um, yes, hello and goodbye to all of our listeners. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Hey, folks, uh, just wanted to chime in here. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Um, just wanted to give you a couple plugs if you. Uh, had any interest in getting involved with Catholic Relief Services, you may have heard of them already, this may be your first time, but um, their website is crs.org, that's Catholic Relief Services, crs.org, slash lead the way, L-E-A-D, the way. Um, And if you wanted to reach out to Francis, um, if you had any questions on anything uh, that you might be able to get involved in, that's F-R-A-N-C-E-S dot C-A-S-E-Y, Francis Casey at Catholic Relief Services, C-R-S dot O-R-G. And again, like she mentioned, the Rice Bowl is a super cool thing um, to get involved in. And there's, uh, if you just peruse around Catholic Relief Services, C-R-S dot O-R-G dot there's some pretty cool things that you can find to, to get involved in. And I know this is a lot of um, websites via audio, so we'll go ahead and see if we can put some of these links within the um, description. So you can find them there. Um, hope you enjoyed this. Um, Till next time, um, peace.